God, that love is so overwhelming. That love is beautiful. That love is why we're here. Because you, in the midst of while we were still sinners, you died for us. To give us life, to give us hope, to give us freedom, to give us joy, to give us everything we could ever imagine or need. And God, ultimately what you give us, which is the best thing in life, that's you. We find that nothing else in this world can satisfy like you. So God, today as we come to open your word, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. I pray that the words that we teach today and share today would speak to us, Lord, and it would not be about anything that I say, but would be all about pointing glory back to your name, the name that's above all names, the name that does change our lives, the name of Jesus. And it's in his amazing, precious, and incredible name that we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Gary, thank you. Wow. Incredible, incredible time of worship. It's so good to be with you today. Um, I know there's a lot of places you, you guys could be that are like on a lake or in a mountain or on a bike or somewhere that would be uh, uh, very enjoyable and relaxing, but it is, it is grateful to be back with you today. If those of you may not know who I am, I'm Jerry Rogers. My wife and I and my family were here for several years. We now are in a, a church up and coming. But it's so good to be back with you today. Um, I want to just kind of have an opportunity to encourage you today. I hope this is a message that will not only encourage you but challenge you. Uh, just a few months ago in my devotional, I, I opened up my devotional and I read this text, and God just overwhelmed me with it. And so that's kind of where I'm coming with, with it today. Um, you know, there's a saying that I've, I'm, I'm learning really quickly as a father of two daughters that that the, the days go by very, very, very slow, but the years are going by like lightning bolts. <laughs> Those of you who are parents, you get that. Um, and so last week, uh, we celebrated Ainsley, my youngest daughter's 10th birthday, and I'm like, you're a decade? Where what? Where did the decade go? And and part of that, you know, as as we celebrate those things, what we typically do is we invite people to those. And so we made up some birthday cards and we sent those out to for her to give to some of her friends. And and it was it was fun to hear her every day when I pick her up from school. I say, well, hey, who's coming? Who you talked to? And she would talk about how she gave a card to this friend or that friend, and and they're excited about coming and they can't wait to be there. And 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 she was so excited that, that she, to uh, be able to invite her friends. And I think about sometimes when we get stuff in the mail or maybe through an email or through a phone call where somebody says, hey, you're invited, you're invited. You think about the, just the touch bit of excitement you get maybe when you open that up and you're real excited if it's something really cool, but then you're really like, oh, just another ad <laughs> or just another uh, telemarketer asking me for something. So we, we get that twinge of excitement when we hear that we're invited. Well, imagine if you went home today and, and, and maybe that invitation was a trip to your dream vacation. You know, if we walked, I remember a few years ago, I think it was probably we'd been married almost 10 years, and Anna's grandfather at the time, when uh, he was still living, lived in New Zealand and said, hey, he was turning 90 that year, and he, and he told us a few months ahead of time, hey, we want to invite you guys to meet us in Hawaii, and I'm paying for it. Twist my arm, granddad, twist my arm. You know, that kind of invitation is the kind of invitation we love. Or maybe it's the invitation to, you know, 
to go see the, the biggest game that, that, that you've want, been wanting to see, or maybe it's an invitation to go hang out with the coolest person that you know. Uh, those invitations we get excited about. But think about this, that this book right here, this book that we read called the Bible, is one giant, large invitation to you and me. One big invitation from beginning to end for us to get into the greatest thing we could ever have, and that's a relationship with a holy God. And I think we could read story after story and text after text about different invitations that we have that God calls us to, but ultimately, in the end of it all, the ultimate context or the ultimate uh, invitation that God is calling us to is a relationship with Him. And it's a beautiful invitation. And today what I want to do is I want to open up a text and walk through this passage in Isaiah 55, a beautiful, a beautiful conversation uh, that, that is, being, is inviting us to, um, as I think about the different things that God may be inviting us to, I think sometimes they're very specific. Sometimes they're very, they're very pointed. Maybe it's a, a call to go somewhere. I know many of you have felt the call to go to Haiti or go to Guatemala, uh, and you've known that God's called you to that. Or you've called to a specific location to live or a specific person to be in a relationship with. You understand those specific callings that God has on us. And I think this, this text that we're going to look at today gives us some of those, but ultimately the big picture that God's calling us to is that deep, abiding, amazing relationship with Him. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 55, many of you are already there. You can look at that on your phone or on your Bible app or on your tablet or on, uh, in the regular Bible that I'm going to be reading from. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. If uh, Faye was here, she'd tell me the only version, but, you know, hey, that's okay. Um, the English Standard Version, we'll look at all of Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? You labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant and a steadfast sure love for David. Behold, my, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and the commander for his peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall, you shall, shall run to you because of the Lord your God. And of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to your to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts." For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but the water to the earth, may it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which it purposes, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands." Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and shall make a name for the Lord, everlasting sign, that it shall not be cut off. <clears throat> These are some absolutely beautiful words. Beautiful invitation. And think about the words that are used here. 
that, that the writer uses here, come. Come. He says it several times in a row. Come. Then he says, listen. Incline your ear. Behold. Words of invitation. Numerous words from a treasured text, from a treasured passage, from a beautiful text, that God is inviting us into something here. A beautiful relationship. And so there's just four things that I real quickly want to just see that you can share with you, that you can see that God is inviting us to here. The first thing, guys, is God is inviting for you and me to be satisfied. For you and me to be satisfied. Look at the first part of this text. It says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And you labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may, be, may live. Guys, we all know what it's like to be hungry. We know what it's like to be thirsty. We know what it's like to be tired. We know what it's like to be worn out and exhausted. We know what it's like to find a meal that doesn't satisfy. I was thinking just a few weeks ago, uh, there's a group of guys that I go to work with, that I work with, that I go to lunch with every day. Um, and one of the places we like to go is this really cool Greek restaurant. Has amazing food. And one of my coworkers, every time we go in there, there's a specific meal he always gets. <clears throat> well, this particular time, a couple weeks ago, he ordered that meal. They came back to him and said, hey, we're out of this. And so he said, well, okay, then what can I get? They said they offered him a Greek version of it. They bring it to the table. He takes one bite of it, and you can see the look on his face go, oh, that is not what I wanted today. You think about how many times in life that happens to us is that we get a hold of something that we think we, we come in with some certain expectations, we think we're going to get something, then we get something totally different and it just doesn't satisfy? Think about the places in your life that you are pursuing satisfaction in. Or the places in life that we tend to pursue satisfaction in. Let's think, be honest with you, jobs. We think that our job is going to give us some sort of satisfaction. Maybe it's a relationship. We put upon our spouse or, or, or somebody else in a relationship something that they were never intended to hold up to. And we think that they've reached some certain level for us so that we can be satisfied. Guys, we, we spend so much of our life chasing so many things that we think will satisfy us. And God is just inviting us to realize that the only thing that ever satisfies is Him. The only thing that will ever bring hope, that will ever bring comfort, that will ever bring peace is Him. Guys, we pursue so many worldly affections that promise us everything but deliver absolutely nothing. And they keep us wanting. You think about that job or that relationship that you pursue so much out of, and it just seems to never be enough. It just seems to never quite quench the thirst or satisfy the soul. And guys, it never, was never intended to. The only thing that ever on this earth that will ever satisfy the deepest longings of your soul and of your heart is the God of the universe who created you and longed to pursue you. Just like the song we just sang, He pursues you with an overwhelming, abundant love that says, this is what will satisfy you. This is what will bring you hope. This is what will bring you peace. And guys, whenever you take something that's created 
i.e. a job, a relationship, a person, anything else, whenever you take that to be something that you hope is going to satisfy you, you placed it in a position of being your Savior. And it cannot hold up to that. It cannot hold up to that standard. Because here's the reality, guys. God is the peace that you are looking for. He is the satisfaction that your heart seeks. He's the rest that you crave. He's the joy that you long for. He's the comfort that your heart desires. Those things we say we don't need, all those things we say will bring contentment and joy will always fail to deliver. What we need is Him. He is with us, in us, and He can take control of everything in your life to satisfy you. I love what it says in Matthew 5, 6 in the Beatitudes. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, for they shall be filled. You want to find satisfaction for the longings of your soul? You find it only in God himself. And when you begin to find that satisfaction in him, all those other things that you long to satisfy you, they get their proper place. They get their proper order because you understand that they are gifts that God gives you, not to satisfy you, but just to show you how much he loves you. The second thing that I think this text shows us that we are invited to is that we are invited to seek God. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. I want you to wrap, and this was hard for me as I began to read this text, because this is a as we get, we'll get to in a minute, we, we've got an, an amazing God. But I want you to think about this for just a second. The God of the universe who created everything you can imagine and can see and touch, taste, feel is inviting you to seek him. Wrap your arms around that for just a moment. The God of the universe who is bigger than time or space, he's infinite, he's eternal, is inviting you and me to seek him. Not only is he a huge God, this proves to us he's an intimate God. He's a loving God who says, seek me. But he doesn't just say, seek me. He says, seek me while I may be found. It's an urgent request to you and me. It's an urgent request because I think what happens a lot of times is, is we will think God's in this cosmic game of hide and seek with us. And he's playing little games with us, and he's kind of here and there, but he's, I can't really physically see him. I can't really physically touch him. So it's just this little game, and sometimes I can't get my prayers to go higher than the ceiling. I don't see him moving. I don't know what's happening. So he's just, he just becomes an afterthought. He's just somebody I'll seek maybe when the world is coming to an end in my life, or when all the tragedy happens, or whatever the situation may be, but seeking God is an urgent thing, and it's not just an urgent thing for when the things are going bad. It's an urgent thing day after day after day. Jesus, our example, it said, would get up early in the morning and go be with his father. Daniel, who was... One of the beautiful pictures of how a man seeks after God would daily, three times a day, as, as, he, as it said, as he always did, even when tragedy came, he went and sought the Lord. So the 
the text here, and obviously in the context here, it is kind of in a context of, of, of a person who may not know Christ, but I think those of us who know Christ, we need to also continue to be urgent. And to be urgent in our seeking of him, as Jeremiah says, you know, he says the Lord, and, and, and Jeremiah says to, to the people, he says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. I will be found by you. You know, many of us can attest to the time maybe that when our child went, you know, maybe we were in a store out in the yard or something, you couldn't find them, and what, what went on in your heart? That panic? <laughs> you were chasing after them? I remember a couple of times that happened with, with my kids. There was an urgency in my spirit to go seek them. But I, I have a God who is so much bigger. And when am I urgent about seeking his face? Or is he just an afterthought? Or is it just nonchalant? God has laid before us an opportunity day after day to seek his beautiful face. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer in his book, Pursuit of God. He says, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. To have found God, to know him, to have a relationship with him, to be in one relationship with him, but to still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Because here's the thing, sometimes I think it's kind of like that whole thing when when you're dating your wife, you get her and then you're like, oh, I got her now, so what's it matter? Right? Women, you understand what I'm talking about. We forget to date you. I get it. I understand. You know, we get the ring on your hand. We pursued you. We gave you flowers. We got you a massage. We got you, you know, the pedicure, the manicure. We did all this fun stuff for you when we were dating, and then all of a sudden, we forget to keep dating you. So, sorry, guys. I know I was beating up on you a little bit, but it's, it's the same concept, guys, is that this, when we have found God, we don't need to stop pursuing him. It's that whole concept of becoming more like Christ. That sanctification process is that we become more like Him because we're in this constant pursuing of all these things that God has called us to. He sought after us. He chased after us. We brought us into a relationship with Him. But this seeking thing, we never stop doing it, guys. Because there's so much more. Well, the third thing, guys, that I believe that God is inviting us to in this text is he's inviting us to trust. He's inviting us to trust. Just look at uh, verses 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are as higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that which I have purposed it, and shall succeed for the thing which I sent it. You know, I am so grateful I have a God that's way bigger than I can even fathom him. To the nth that my brain can even go, which is not very much, the most I could possibly fathom him, he is way bigger than that. If you put all our brains and thoughts together today, if we all sat down and could think to the very nth of our being of who God is, 
wouldn't come close. Wouldn't come close to the big, big God that he is. I'm so grateful for that because if, if, there was a, if this God is, was so easy to fathom and understand, then why would I need him? Now, God in his beauty has given us his word, has given us his truth, has given us so much here to reveal about him. It's amazing. I can unfold and unfold and unfold and unfold. It's like a diamond that turns. Every time I turn it, it's something more beautiful. And guess what? It's infinite like that. And he's that big. And it's that huge. And he's that amazing. He's that incredible. And guess what, guys? It's never-ending. And guess what? He's invited us to trust him because we can. Because he's not like you and me. He's not like you and me. He's that much bigger. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts towards you and me right now, sitting in this room, are higher than we could even have towards ourselves. The amount of love that we think He has for us, it's even more than that. Fathom that for just a minute. That's overwhelming. As we just saying, that is why it's an overwhelming love of God. is because it's so much bigger than you and I could even think. And guess what? When the world around you doesn't make sense... I'm glad I have a God who does. Because I can trust in His Word. I can trust in His person. I can trust in who He is. I can trust Him. I love again, this is again in pursuit of God, what A.W. Tozer said this. We need to never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul, closer than our most secret thoughts. Let me say that again. We never need to shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul, closer than our own thoughts. You see, I, 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 I want to kind of tie these two last two in together, this seeking and this trusting piece. And then we'll go to our last point. I think many times what we seek God for is like a genie in the bottle to get what I want. Instead of seeking God, just trusting Him for who He is and the person of who He is because He is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. I don't have time to read it today, but go read the end of Romans chapter 11, 33 through 36. Just put that in your notes. Romans 11, 33 through 36. The great doxology that Paul shares there. I actually preached this text here at this church a few years ago. <coughs> Beautiful text that Paul just says, hey, there is no one like your God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And before we get to our last point, I just want to read this line from a song that I love. This is speak to the bigness of our God. From the song, The Love of God. Could we with ink oceans fill and were we the skies of parchment or were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man ascribed by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. We could know and try to fathom all of God, and we could never stop. It never stopped. I mean, if the whole ocean was ink, and we had a pen, and every scribe could just write about the love of God across the skies forever and ever, we would never stop writing because he's that big. And because he's that big, we can trust him. We can trust Him. He is going to accomplish what He purposes. It says it here that His Word does not return void. 
And just as we can trust the rain and the snow to nourish the grounds that we walk on, I know some of us are begging for rain right now with this heat. (laughs) As much as we can trust it, we can trust the Word of God. And finally, guys, I want to close with this, is that you and I are invited to worship. We are invited to worship. I love the way that the writer here closes this text, the imagery that he gives us. He says, For you shall go forth with joy (coughs) and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This imagery here of a dry and arid land coming forth in exuberance. I, many of you know I grew up in Louisiana. <coughs> and one of, the most pop, one of the most common trees that we had there were cypress trees. And the beauty of a cypress tree on a bayou with moss hanging over it, um, just abundance of those, was absolutely breathtaking. Especially if I could get Gary to go with me on a beautiful night sky with a sunset coming just right and him taking his pictures, they would be fantastic. Just the beauty of that. And think of the imagery that he gives here. He says, instead of the thorn, you'll find cypress. And you're going to go out with joy. You're going to go out with joy. As you have realized that you have been invited into this vibrant, beautiful, lasting, incredible relationship with God, what's going to happen from that is you can't help but worship. You can't help but sing out in joy because of that relationship that God has invited you into. I think one of the most... One of the reasons that many of us go through these dry and arid lands in our life (coughs) is we've quit being curious about God. We quit being curious. As I stated before, His ways are higher than our thoughts and His, His, His mind is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. So why do we stop quit being curious about Him? Because if he's that big, there's so much more we can learn about him and so much more we can know about him and so much more that he's inviting us into. But we'll quit being curious. And so when we quit being curious and we quit seeking him and we quit trusting him, we go through these dry and arid moments in life. And guys, my encouragement to you is when it's dry, just worship. Just worship. Continue to just worship him. When it's dry and it's boring, worship him. When you don't think you can, he's hearing the, the, the next prayer that you're saying, just worship him. Just worship him. The invitation to worship him is not just in song that we're about to do here in just a minute to close. The invitation to worship him is with your life. You have been invited to lay your life down as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for that is your spiritual act of worship. The invitation... Ultimately, guys, is this. It's to taste and see that God is good. To taste and see that He satisfies like nobody else. To taste and see that you can seek Him with all your heart. To taste and see that you can trust Him in every bit of your life. And to taste and see that the worship of your holy God is so incredibly beautiful. So the invitation... Today is to taste and see that God is good. To taste and see.
Because blessed will you be by taking refuge in him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this great invitation on our lives. This beautiful, incredible invitation to seek, to trust, to believe, to hope in you. Because you alone, you alone satisfy. And as the writer of this text said, why do I keep pursuing things that do not satisfy? So for the soul in this room today who is pursuing everything else in this world that doesn't satisfy, bring them home. Bring them home to know that they can be satisfied in you and they can worship you now knowing that you provide everything that they need, God. We know that they can trust you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.